0: And here we are once again with the luminary. It's on air with CastBox, and I am your co-host, Joel Kamm. Who's, who's the other guy?
1: And I was muted. There we go. This is Travis Wright, and together, Joel and I, we host the Bad Crypto Podcast. And today, we're hosting CastBox Live here with Lewis Howes. This is great.
0: Yeah, this is going to be
1: fantastic. Lewis,
0: are you with us, brother? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Are you typing over there? I was. Yeah, because we we, we get every keystroke. So okay. maybe instead of talking, just type and we'll see if we can figure out what you're That's saying. That's true. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, Lewis, you and I go back about, what, 13 years? Man, that Something long ago? like that. Yeah, it was some internet marketing event, 2005-ish, I want to say, that uh, wow. that we met. And I, I met you and I thought, you're very tall. Wow. <laughs> uh, yes.
2: Was it 2000? I think it was 2008.
0: Maybe. Yeah, well, uh, since that time and uh, meeting me doesn't mean I could take any credit at all for it. Um, You have absolutely dominated. Uh, You are a New York Times bestselling author. Mm -hmm. You have a podcast that has had millions and millions of uh, listens called The School of Greatness. You've been on TV, on on Ellen. You've been featured in the New York Times and People. And I'm just glad to say, wow, I knew him when. Well, you gave me my first shot.
2: You were the one who put me on a webinar on your platform back in the day. I think it was 2009, around May, June, July, somewhere around there. So literally ten years ago, little, little over ten years ago, to the year, you had me on a webinar, and uh, I made my first sixty, two hundred dollars, and I thought I was the richest, literally the richest person in the world. And um, it, it it opened, it unlocked a new way of thinking for me. I wasn't able to see that way of thinking until that moment. And then you were the catalyst, and then I kind of became you know crazy obsessed with just learning about online marketing and online business and and really how to create a product and bring it to life and, and add as much value to people. And uh, that's kind of what I've been trying to do through reinventing myself over the last 10 years by doing that. So a lot of thanks to you.
0: Let let's be clear. You were at a marketing event, and I'm the lucky one. I just you know happened to be the guy that talked to you. But honestly, if it wasn't me, it would have been somebody else because you were destined for greatness. And there's no I was a hustler.
2: I I was talking to everyone at the time and just pitching them my uh, my ideas. And you just happened to be at the right time at the right placement, and we aligned and we
0: helped each other. So thank you very much for everything. Oh, uh, it's my pleasure, and so we're we're glad you're here. This is uh, this is gonna be exciting, Mr. Travis, right?
1: This is definitely. You know what? You know what? I, I think this too, yeah, Mr. Joe You have impacted a lot of people because think of this: you've written fifteen books, and you've helped people get you know figure out AdSense. You've helped people figure out Twitter, and now you're helping people figure out crypto. So that's good. You're a figure outer. You're a shit figure outer over I'm helping there, helping people figure out nonsense. That's what I do. <laughs> That's true. That's great. Hey, so I want to chat with you about, I was, I was really excited to chat with you, uh, Lewis, because your podcast is is great. You've interviewed some amazing folks, and I, I love the name, uh, you know, you know, School of Greatness. And in fact, back in 06, I had a website and a podcast called Cultivate Greatness. Mm. And, um, and I did about, I think I did about 25 podcasts, had about 900 articles written on the site, and then like some got corrupt on the site and I lost the database and I was just like, Oh, so then I just moved uh, on from, from cultivating. I guess I, I was like, I guess I've cultivated enough greatness. Time. There to you know. go. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have a lot of really great sort of mantras and messages and I've, and I've read the book, the school of greatness. And now you've, you've got another book that's that has it come out yet or is it coming out? What, the second book? Yeah. The second
2: book came out uh, called mask and masculinity. And uh, just the paperback just dropped today, actually. So mm. paperback is in stores everywhere uh, today.
0: I love it's that it's you funny. wrote that book, Lewis, because, you know, what it means to be a man in in today's world. I think there's confusing messages out there mm-hmm. that, you know, it means you got to be rough and humble and hard. and blah, blah. and And that's not what real masculinity is all about, is it?
2: Uh, I think we're always redefining it. So maybe back in the caveman days that, that worked for us to, to try to protect ourselves and things like that. But in a, in a newer modern world, and I would say emotionally connected world, um, it's just time to evolve. Just like for you, Joel, you, know, AdSense, you were the AdSense king, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And then you had to evolve into something new. And then you talked about a different topic, and now you're covering a new topic as well. So I think as human beings, we're all trying to evolve and grow and just become better human beings. So this book was really about how to, you know, breaking down the, the kind of the characteristics of how I grew up feeling like the way I needed to be a, a man um, and what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable. And I feel like all the things that were acceptable are no longer that way. And are actually hurting us the more we play into that way of masculinity. So this is what that book was all about. It's kind of breaking down myself and all the ways that I'm flawed as a human being and reaching out to other men who are flawed and, and figuring out the truth, the answers, the, the, the skills on how to, to improve and just become better, period.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating stuff. You know, it's like um, how many, and it's called the mask of masculinity, how men can embrace vulnerability, create strong relationships and live their fullest life. And, And how has vulnerability and how has becoming more vulnerable maybe helped your relationships?
2: I think it's everything. I think the key to success, and Joel knows this, the key to success in life is relationships. And in my opinion, the key to successful relationships is vulnerability. So if you want unsuccessful relationships, don't be vulnerable. It's just as simple as that. So for me, it's the more I can lean into it, the more I open up, the more I share um, and kind of connect with my vulnerability one-on-one or one-to-many. I feel like the more, I guess, quote-unquote success there is.
0: Well, you have kind of led by example you know it's one thing to say okay guys be vulnerable and it's another to write a book and say be vulnerable Mm -hmm. but you have demonstrated vulnerability because you've told your backstory even to the point of sharing how as a child you were sexually abused yeah so you know not to spend too much time there in the trenches but maybe let's revisit your life before and um you know having a learning disability and all that and, and what you thought You know the world was like previous. Well, let me be very clear. You know, I'm a I'm a white male. I grew up in America, so right
2: there, I have a lot of privilege and a lot of opportunities that most people in the world didn't have just because of how I was born and the color of my skin. If I'm just being honest, so there's lots of privileges that I was born with and have had my entire life, and a lot of things I didn't have to deal with or face like a lot of my friends or peers had to experience. So right there, I've had lots of advantages in that place. That being said, we all face different traumas, whether it be deep, um, big traumas or just little traumas over and over again, where our parents told us we weren't good enough or they didn't love us the right way. We, we face different things. My traumas just happened to be that I was sexually abused when I was five. You know, I, my brother went to prison when I was eight. For four and a half years so every weekend we'd drive two and a half hours in ohio to a, a prison and i would sit there for about four or five hours and be around convicts murderers rapists for a half day on a saturday uh, for four years until i was 12 years old uh, like you said i just it just really struggled in school uh, it was hard for me to read and write it's hard for me to remember anything And I was in those special needs classes um, up until really the end of college to kind of get me through. It took me seven years to finish college. I almost flunked out of every grade. So I just was kind of made fun of and picked on all the time in that sense. Again, I had other privileges. uh, You know, I had other things going for me, but I had this other trauma. My parents were constantly screaming and fighting. So I didn't feel I left home when I was 13 to a private boarding school, just had a lot of different kind of, Things build up that made it challenging for me in my own way, and again, other people had their own challenges—some uh, more challenges, some less challenges. But we all face our own types of trauma that we personally need to overcome. And these were some of mine.
1: Yeah, I have to say that's 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 profound stuff. And, and one of the things that that it's clear about you is that you decided to be a victor in your life many people can decide to be a victim and blame other other people Mm -hmm. but you took responsibility and said look i know i have this trauma everyone has some trauma and you've said this before you've said everyone faces adversity on the path to greatness now maybe a follow-up on that is i think that a lot of the next generation of, of people growing up they've been coddled a lot they have these participation trophies and they're not allowed to face this adversity. So then when they get older and they get this inevitable adversity, they don't know how to deal with it. So maybe what advice would you give for someone who's listening that has has some adversity, but then just realize maybe that safe space is not what you need. You need to face mm-hmm. that adversity head on right now. And How do people navigate that?
2: Yeah, I mean, for a long part of my life, I think I was a victim, first off. I think I was... I was, a, I was taking responsibility and taking action in certain areas of my life, but the things that were hard for me to overcome, I was a victim to them. I would react and respond in negative ways as opposed to positive ways. I would blame other people as opposed to take responsibility. Uh, it was like the things that I could control, the things that I was good at, I was taking responsibility for, like my sports. The things I wasn't in control of, I would blame and be a victim. And it wasn't until I kind of first became aware of that so I think awareness was the first key for me. So I think anyone who hasn't overcome their adversity, first be aware of it. What are you taking responsibility for? What are you lacking in responsibility? And the second thing would be, for, for me, I just started finding people who had been through similar adversities um, who'd already been there and done that. And I started looking up to them and asking them questions and seeking out mentorship and wisdom from much smarter people than me on some action steps that I could take. And, um, and that's what I did. It's first the awareness, finding some great mentors who kind of guided me, whether it be coaches in sports or mentors in school who are coaching, coaching me and guiding me. And now in business and relationship life, um, just constantly looking for those people to learn from. And if you can't find those mentors one-on-one, then there's, there's great free resources, obviously in in CastBox and then podcasts online and YouTube and things like that.
0: Mm. I'm curious, who are your heroes, Lewis?
2: I mean, my brother and my dad uh, were my heroes growing up, still are my heroes that I really look up to and um, I'm inspired by. But I think um, this is going to sound cheesy and, and kind of corny, but I think my future self is is the hero that I'm trying to constantly become. And again, it sounds kind of just cheesy me saying, but I'm always thinking about, um, I do a visualization and meditation practice where I see the greatest version of myself walking up to me in my mind. I see, you know, me, the best version of me, walking up to my current self. And I'm looking at that person. And I'm asking myself, like, what are the things I need to, like, man, I'm so far away from that. How do I get closer? What can I, what action can I take? What habit can I change? What you know, foods can I eat differently? What, um, you know, language can I say to myself, what skills do I need to gain? How much more humility do I need to find in order to get there? So I think about that a lot. There are people that I'm, that are, you know, role models to me that I can see in the world. Someone like the rock is someone that I believe is living his authentic truth and he's, inspiring hundreds of millions of people and he's doing what he loves he's kind of a role model that I look at I'm not saying uh, you know I, I agree with everything that every person does or says but I, I I love that model of who he's become and become unapologetically himself in the way he lives his life I'm inspired by LeBron James again a great athlete from my home state in Ohio who has continually lived at the top of his game consistently but also now is, building his own media business and TV and movies and is building schools, which is something that's important for me He's building education back in Ohio. And, you know, I'm constantly giving back to my hometown in Columbus and bringing an event there every year. So I'm, I'm seeing what these leaders are doing and I'm trying to learn and replicate in my own way um, to just become closer to the best version of myself. And that's what I look for.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great stuff. And just so everyone knows here, I I, hear at CastBox, you guys are going to be able to call in and ask some questions here. So if you want to be thinking about the question you want to ask. Also, there's a little feature down at the bottom where you can gift – uh, you can gift uh, you can give some pluses or hearts to Lewis and and to anybody else in the group here. So make sure you guys uh, check out those options right there. Uh, let me ask you this, Lewis: How often are, do you do that in that meditation? Because that's that seems like a very good practice that that people could utilize in their life. Are you doing it daily, or is it every well, once in a while, or is it part of your morning routine?
2: Well, the best version of myself would do it daily, but I'm I'm never my best version, so unfortunately, I don't do it daily. But there are times I do it daily. And that's the ultimate goal. And uh, sometimes I allow my myself to to be overwhelmed and and booked up, and I don't schedule it in. But I typically try to do it first thing in the morning.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. It's, it's sort of rem- reminiscent of, like, what David Goggins would say about his best self. Is like, yeah. if I'm not out there busting my ass and being the best mofo that I can be, and I go and meet God, and God's like, look at what you could have done, but you didn't do any of that.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like,
1: that's powerful. Have you, have you had a chance to meet him yet?
2: Yeah, I had him on the show um, six months
0: ago. He was really inspiring.
1: Yeah, that book of his was great, huh? He is
0: the biggest badass I've ever heard of in my life. Pretty amazing, man. Pretty amazing. Um,
2: Yeah, he's just his lifestyle is not for everyone, but he makes he makes you think like, huh? If he can do all this, like, there's got to be five, ten percent more I could be doing uh, in my life to have better health, better relationships, better career, whatever it
1: may be. So. He makes you know, me realize I should be way less fat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like what would David Goggins do? He would not be eating this.
0: <laughs> and, and you should be more funny, That's true. Yeah. more, more funny. So what a lot of people don't know about you, Lewis, is that you, uh, you're an accomplished athlete, right? You know, you put, you played uh, football as a pro yep. you, uh, you, you played on the USA men's national handball team. Yeah. Like. Before there was ever marketing, you were playing the sports balls. That's it. Yeah, that's it. I was uh, I was just in Brazil, what, four or five, six weeks ago,
2: and uh, playing against the top 10 team in the world with the Brazilian national team. And uh, for me, I don't want to be, you know, running my platform, um speaking to people about chasing their dreams or pursuing the things they love the most. if I'm not also doing those things. I'm 36 years old now and it's been a dream to be an Olympian my entire life since as long as I can remember. And I'm currently on the USA men's national handball team. And if the Olympics were in the USA, we would be an automatic qualifier and I'd be an Olympian. Hmm. But, but the Olympics aren't coming until 2028, I believe it is oh. to, to LA You know, I'll be whatever it is that 40, 44 years old, 45 or something. And um, so unfortunately we haven't had the Olympics in the last 10 years since I've been playing this sport in the USA. And there's only one country from North and South America that can qualify to the Olympics in the sport of handball. And it's a very competitive um, sport down in South America. So we just haven't qualified since 1996. So that's something I'm doing. And um, I take it year by year just because, it's harder every year I get a little bit older and I'm one of the oldest guys on the team now, but it's, uh, something I'm passionate about. And I used to play arena football back in the day and I was a two sport all American in college and sports has been the foundation of a lot of the principles that I've learned who've helped that's helped me in every area of my life. I think, I think people that didn't have sports or some type of structured, uh, musical instrument or theater or something where they had structure in their life outside of school. Um, I learned so much about goal setting in sports. I learned so much about mindset. I learned so much about overcoming adversity every single day. I learned so much about just consistency, practicing the same thing every day. These simple habits, I think have just carried over in other, in other parts of my life. And that's, that's what's helped me achieve what I have without sports. I don't think I'd be here.
0: You know what? When you say you're 36, I think, well, Tom Brady's 42. I know it's crazy. He's a machine. Have you had him on the show? You know, it's
2: interesting. I had a flight booked to Boston to interview him. The whole thing was set up. This was about three, four years ago, maybe three, four years ago. And literally two days before, the flight was booked, hotels booked, it was set up to be in his home because his uh, his manager is a big fan of the School of Greatness, and I met Tom. Uh, they flew me out to come see him, watch a game and meet him. And the whole, he was like, I want to come on the show. Whole thing was set up and go. And then two days before they were like, Hey man, this whole deflategate thing is kind of out of control. He's not doing any interviews right now. Uh, this is when the whole deflategate debacle was happening. And then we've been trying to make it happen every time there's an off season over the last three years, but we just haven't. I went out to see a game there last year and said hi to him again. They invited me out this season, but, um, Trying to make it work, you know, and sometimes you've got to be consistent. You know, there's people like Tom Brady, people like Will Smith, like The Rock, what Tim Carrey, who I've followed up with their team every few months for the last five, six years, and uh, it's just about consistency.
0: So deflate gate just didn't affect the Patriots and the balls. You were also deflated. That's right.
2: But I think adversity is something that we should be embracing and excited about not saying, how do I deflect adversity? How do I get around adversity? How do I make my life easier? I think the more we actually lean into you know, challenging hard things, the more easier life becomes, and the less adverse things feel. And I think a lot of people are just trying to do it, do things the easiest way possible. And I'm not saying you should be seeking out the hardest, most exhausting way to do things, but, um, Usually the ones that rise to the top of their industry or their game or their sport or whatever it may be or business don't get there just through things happening so easily all the time. They get there because most people are unwilling to go through the adversity that they had to go through.
1: That's great. Well, I got I got good news for you. Tom Brady will eventually retire and then he'll have more free time. They so eventually <laughs> eventually. I think eventually that'll probably happen. Uh, you know, there is a question that I saw pop through, pop through on the text. Did you see that Mr. Joe Connell? I did.
0: I just, uh, what I want to do is tell people that if you want to call in and uh, ask a question of Lewis directly, then you can go ahead and do that. Just tap the, uh, the phone and dial in on the app. I'll see those come in. And you know, if, if it's like previous weeks and we have a long line, uh, just be patient, but you could also type your question and Amberly asked, I wonder if Lewis has ever been starstruck by a celebrity, because I'm sure all of us have.
2: Let me think. I'm sure I have, uh, probably a handful of times. There's been people that have come on the podcast, and I've been like, there's an energy and a presence about them. I think we, we can easily build up the perception about someone, and then when we see them, we've built this story in our mind about how inspiring or powerful or how much they've influenced your life that you can feel this sense of like excitement or overwhelm and i remember the first time meeting tony robbins uh i kind of had a little bit of that feeling i was like wow this is like there's a presence there's an energy there's a a power here that is different than just you know most human beings that i meet so the first time i met him there was definitely that presence and that energy kobe bryant had that same thing um You know, there's, there's a lot of people, Brene Brown had that a little bit as well when I met with her, even though she's not this like kind of big celebrity, she kind of, she is in the the space that I'm in and she was really powerful. So, but I'm not really too starstruck. Let's say I'm just more like excited and inspired and, and just excited to dive in and talk to them and hear their story. That's, that's where I'm at now.
1: That's great. Uh, let me ask you this: I want to see, like, wh- like, why do you choose to do the interviews in person? Because I notice you did. Have you always done that? And how did that start? Because it seems to me to be expensive to go. Oh, huh. I flew to Boston and got the hotel yeah. rooms, and then I interviewed Tom Brady. Like, like, that's expensive. Like, h- how does podcasters? How do how do podcasters start? Like well, going to like this. I think the
2: first year I was doing some Skype, and then I think it was either year two or year three. I just made the decision that I'm going to go all in on video and they have to be all in person. Uh, This was kind of the time where I was like more people were coming out with podcasts. And I was just like, if I want to be in the top 100 and stay in the top 100 in the world, what do I need to do to differentiate myself? Anyone can call on Skype. Anyone can call in over the phone. And I could get so many more interviews that I, you know, some some massive names that I could have had from a 15-minute call-in. But I was just like, that's not gonna differentiate me. That's not, wow. that's that's the easy way out. The hard thing, which most people aren't able to do, is get people to spend an hour of their time in person with you, and that's where the magic lies when you connect with someone in person, from my personal experience. And that's where you can get the video quality at the higher level, and that's where you can create more viral videos that can be uh, spread and sent out to the world. And, you just have more options with that. So it's not that, um, listen, if Obama was like, hey, I'm only going to do 15 minutes on the phone one day, you know, maybe I would take it and just say, okay, cool. But I'd rather just say, let me fly to you and see you for those 15 minutes, and I'll have everything set up, ready to go, and just turn on the lights and camera, and we'll go. If they're going to give me that time, I'm willing to, to make the effort to go somewhere if someone is so you know untouchable to get them on i'll do whatever it takes so there are some people who at a certain level that don't do interviews that don't do podcasts if they came on the show they're going to take my show to another level it's going to help me reach a new audience it's going to inspire more people that are currently listening Mm. so i'm willing to put in that work but also living in la luckily a lot of people come here a lot of people live here and so there's an opportunity that i have here
1: yeah did you specifically move to la for that purpose I originally moved to L.A. seven years ago for a girl
2: that I fell for. And uh-huh. then it, and then it didn't work out really quickly. And I was kind like, of
1: like, I guess I'll just stay here and be famous. Well, I was, I, I well, was kind of <laughs> I was
2: I was resentful at first. I was like, oh, I told myself I would never move for a girl. And this girl did this and that blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of resentful. And I, I was living in New York City at the time. and I really loved New York City. And so I was like, should I move back to New York? I felt like I was taking over, like everything was blowing up for me there. Um, but I was like, you know what? There's, there's a reason why I'm here. Let's, let's do it for a year, see how it feels. And one of those days where I was being a victim and pissed off and resentful of the girlfriend that i dated and resentful for moving, I was stuck in LA traffic and I was even more pissed off in traffic And I was just like, man, I can't believe so many people sit in this for hours every day to go like three miles. (laughs) And I go, there's got to be a way to bring people inspiration and and tools and lessons while they're stuck in traffic in L.A. or New York City or wherever. Because I'd only known walking or taking the subway before. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's got to be a way to reach people. There's probably millions of people stuck in traffic every day. Uh, what if I could bring them wisdom from all these people that I've been meeting over the last five years, helping me from sports to business, to authors, to billionaires, to tech leaders. Like, what if I could just bring them the conversations that I'm already having? I'm just not recording them yet. I was, that's where the idea came from stuck in traffic. And I was like, if people are stuck in traffic, they're probably stuck in their life. Like I feel right now, I need some help. And why don't I go on the journey, asking the questions for me and, but share it with other people.
1: And create a win-win-win. Yeah, you should thank that girl. <laughs>
2: Heck
1: yeah, <laughs> I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful, grateful for, for that. I'm grateful yeah, that for is, it all. I'm grateful for all that of that.
0: Yeah. inspiration from a traffic jam. Uh, Alexander writes in his comments, "Lewis, my biggest problem seems to co- seems to constantly set me back as I simply cannot find my passion. I'm a 28 year old engineer. What would you recommend to help me find my passion and my destiny?"
2: Well, I think for me. I've had lots of different passions over 36 years. And I think, um, you know, for me, like if I found one thing, that's something I'm passionate about right now, it doesn't mean I'm going to be passionate about it tomorrow or next year or 10 years or for the rest of my life. I might get bored with it at some point. So I think it's, you should, for me, find the thing that brings you the most joy, that makes you smile the most, that lights you up, that gets you excited the most, that you would, you would spend hours on, and not even know you're working on it. Like a lot of people ask me about my my business and it never feels like a job. It never feels like work to me because it's something I just really enjoy. There are obviously certain things that I don't want to be doing in my business or that I need to move out of. But overall, the business itself for me is a joyful experience. And for me, again, I want to be living my life in joy in an experience of abundance, an experience of growth, an experience of love, an experience of excitement. If if that's possible for you, why would you do anything that's frustrating, that's stressful, that brings you anger, that is a lack of joy? I think there have been times in my life where I did jobs, I did careers, I did different things that were not fun, that were stressful, and I just got out of them quickly. I did them for three or six months. And there are certain things I had to do to gain skills, to make money at certain times in order to get out of that. And and I figured out how can I make this fulfilling? How can I make this a joyful experience? So I would create a list of the things that bring you the most joy, create a list of the things that you love doing the most, and start incorporating those more into your lifestyle. You may not be able to leave your job right away, and I think that, I don't recommend leaving or quitting any job. I think you do that on the side and you try to bring more of that into your life until you can figure out a way to live your life doing
1: that.
0: Hmm. Uh, Alex actually called in while you were responding. Alex, are you there? Alex, are you there? Alexander, this is your your big moment, friend. (laughs) Hello? Maybe he got gun shy. That's right, buddy. You feel, hopefully, are you there, man?
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm there. Uh, yeah, hey, Lewis, how you doing? It's Alex. What's up, Alex? How you doing, man? Good, man. I just listened to everything. Yeah, those are great fundamentals about um, pretty much doing something on a daily that brings you, uh, you know, just amplifies just loving your life and the joy and, and doing a job that doesn't feel like a job. Um, but I do feel like you went through a little bit of an elimination process, meaning yeah. you jumped from job to job,
2: or I did a uh, bunch of you, stuff. Yeah, I did a bunch of stuff in my, you know, kind of early to mid-20s. I was just like, well, it's not fun. And I think I had to do that to figure out, okay, what are the things that I really do enjoy? So that was your trigger, basically. As yeah. soon as you
3: feel the instinct that you were just in discomfort and it just brought you anger. yeah. Or, uh, I mean, it just brought something negative to amplify or transcend to your relationship with your significant other. I mean, right away, just cut it off, basically. Yeah,
2: yeah I mean, I don't know if it's right away. I think... Um, you got to evaluate it. If these things are, if you're doing something and it's bringing you an income, mm-hmm. then I think stick with the income until you figure out on the side, like what's something else that I'd rather be doing that's gonna bring me joy. I don't think cut something off and then be broke and then be in debt and then be even more miserable because of that. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But it's like, be responsible in your in your actions, but have a game plan moving forward. Like, okay, how am I gonna make money doing this or if I'm changing a career or job? But for me, I had to eliminate a lot of things and I didn't know what I was going to be passionate about. I didn't know I'd be doing this. I wasn't like 10 years ago. I want to do, uh, I just want to talk to inspiring people all day and make money. I mean, I did think that, but I was like, there's no way I could make money doing that. So let me go be a truck driver. Let me be a bouncer. Let me do, you know, yard work. <laughs> like those are the things I was doing 10 years ago until and I got, obviously money,
3: not necessarily. Well, I mean, I don't think it should be necessarily the number one motive to, uh, Find your passion, obviously.
2: I think we're all driven by different things, but for me, I just wanted to do something that brought me a lot of joy, that brought me a lot of fulfillment. That was yeah. my my thing. For other people, it is money. But I think you get uh burnt out. I mean, Joel will tell you this. Joel's made tons of money over his life, but I think and, get, and, and lost a lot. <laughs> and lost a lot. I know. You've you made a ton and lost a ton. And I think um I just think. You've got to find okay. the thing that brings you a lot of creativity and brings a lot of joy because that is more sustainable than just chasing money all the time, and, mm-hmm. and it's of a course. lot more fulfilling. So it's just one human being's opinion.
3: Okay. And by trying different things, obviously, as you as you as you juggle between uh, a few activities that you did when you were a few in- activities. And I, listen, I'm
2: I'm, I'm constantly reinventing myself now. Even though school of greatness is something I've been doing for. It'll be seven years in January. I'll be doing this consistently every single week. Seven years. We're at eight hundred, I think fifty something episodes. Um, for me, that's the consistent base. But I'm always doing something every year that's new, that's reinvention, mm-hmm. that's scary, that's challenging. That's mm-hmm. is this going to work or not? Because that keeps me excited. That that allows me to try new things. If I'm not being creative then I might just get bored doing the same thing every day. So, so I have that same
3: there. You to do it as well.
2: Yeah. And I, I just like taking risks. I like putting myself out there. It's like if I died tomorrow for me, I live off of this. If I died tomorrow, would I be, um, would I be proud of the person that I became and all the things I tried and explored, or would I be regretting not trying those things that I really wanted to do? So I just look at that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. Great questions. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Thank brother. you so much. Thanks, guys. Yeah, very good. Thanks, Alex. So do, let me ask you this then. So and I think I had the same epiphany whenever I was doing Cultivate Greatness, the the podcast and the blog was this. When I started to interview these amazing people, it was like, wow, I want to spend the rest of my life interviewing amazing, yeah, people. Right? And, you know, because like, why do you stop? Out, well, I, I still do. Well, you know, I did the Tech Nerati <laughs> podcast. I've done mm-hmm. the the Venture Beat podcast, and so oh, wow. I just would start doing podcasts in the area where I'm. So you know, you are talking to billionaires. You're talking to you know amazing artists and athletes. All these different types of people. What are some of the maybe two to three episodes? Like if if you if if somebody came to you and like, dude. I only have three hours left. What what should I listen to to help me through this through this through this problem? Who are some of the best interviews with the most profound nuggets in it?
2: I mean, there's so many amazing ones, but I would say, uh, you know, Tony Robbins. I've had him on three times. All three of those are powerful, as as you know from reading his books and Mm -hmm. going through his work. Kobe Bryant is one of the greatest athletes of all time. Uh, he shared some really insightful things on mindset and, and life principles. Someone like a Renee Brown or Mel Robbins or a Maria Shriver um, or Sarah Blakely on the female side of things. They're just all inspiring leaders. Um, you know, the, the more spiritual mindset stuff would be Dr. Joe Dispenza. Oh, he's you
1: know, great. He's amazing. I someone, love him.
2: Someone like uh, – Proctor, um, those individuals. I have a lot of different therapists on because I feel like I just had such a messed up uh, emotional life my entire life that I'm always bringing these people on because I want to learn how to heal myself, how to overcome trauma, how to overcome, you know, being a victim from my past, how to overcome mm. hating myself and talking negative about myself my whole life, and how to overcome the challenges of now having a platform and other people hating me other people talking crap about me and a uh, comparison game and just all the things of the new challenges that come my way and our way. When we level up our life, when we go after the dream and constantly reinvent ourselves. there's going to be a new challenge to face. And so I'm bringing people on to help me with, uh, you know, with spiritual stuff, the emotional, the mental of uh-huh. things money. You know, when I was broke 10 years ago, when Joel met me, I was making, I don't know, 500 bucks a month thousand bucks a month running LinkedIn networking events out of my sister's uh, sister's place. And and, um, I, my goal was how do I get out of college debt? That was my original goal. How do I get out of college debt and how do I make enough money so I can get my own apartment? And I finally made enough to get uh, my first apartment for $495 a month in Columbus, Ohio. And I thought that was like the most expensive thing ever. Now I'm paying, you know, whatever, 10, 20 times that. And it's it's normal, you know, so it's like, so 10 years ago was how do I get out of debt? How do I make enough to save $1,000 a month to now it's okay with the business that's generating multiple seven figures? How do I figure out my taxes? So I'm not overspending. How do I figure out saving and investing the right way? So my money's working for me. So we always have a new level of challenge to face as long as we're moving forward in our life.
1: Mm. I think you showed an amazing example right there. People caught that. It's It was all about you asking yourself the right questions. Yeah. You create a nice feedback loop right there when you're creating and you're asking the right questions versus asking the wrong questions, right? And a lot of people have this negative feedback loop that they're always walking around, talking to themselves. Like Mr. Joel Kamm, he just just gave me, uh, he said, hey, you need to check out Mr. Robot. And he made a recommendation. I don't normally watch a lot of television. I'm always reading or doing other stuff or researching. So I don't watch or consume a lot of of media. And I go, okay, I'll jump in and I'll watch that. Now, this guy's got all kinds of crazy shit going through his head, right? On Mr. Robot, if you've seen that show. So, man, I love that. Asking yourself the right questions. And and maybe expound on that. What are some of the best questions you can ask yourself just to get yourself (laughs) in a a good zone?
2: Mm. Am I doing everything I can live the best version of myself. I would also ask yourself, what's missing my life that would take me to another level of joy, and happiness, and fulfillment? Uh, another question would be, what have I done for someone else lately to help them and their goals, their dreams, their life? Another one I would say is, have I been listening to people and truly looking at them and hearing them, or am I always just trying to say something interesting to um, another one I would say is: Have I healed everything from my past, or is there still things that I'm holding on to, people I haven't forgiven, people that uh, I'm still angry with? Am I, have I, have I healed from everything in my
0: past? If not, what do I need to dive into to heal? Those are some of the things I would ask those are good questions I mean you really put yourself up against the wall when you're you're that blunt with yourself and I think that takes a lot of courage yeah. you know we don't we don't always have the uh, the courage to ask those questions uh, Harry wants to know have you always been entrepreneurially minded or do you think being a successful entrepreneur comes from having a powerful self-drive and relentless determination to succeed um. I think neither of those. I
2: think um, I didn't know how to make a uh, you know a dollar until, um, until I met Joel Kahn, really. And it was out of a necessity. You know, my father, uh, another kind of trauma or experience that I went through is my father got in a, uh, a bad car accident when I was 21 or 22 years old. Um, it was actually like the, gosh, I can't remember. It was... Yes. So 16 year anniversary, 16 or, 15, 16 or 15 year anniversary last week when he got his car accident, he was in a coma for three months and he was always the person I relied on for, for mentorship, for just wisdom. And he also was really talented in business. And he said, you know, when you're done living your dream, playing football and do what you want to do you come work with me and you can kind of take over the family business one day if you want it. So I always had this reliance on him where he would kind of fund my dream. As long as I trained for my dream in the the summers, he would pay for me. He would pay for training he'd pay for food, all that stuff. And so when he got in his accident, uh, I was in a coma. He came back and we had to teach him how to walk. We had to teach him how to talk. He He couldn't function. He wasn't, he was alive, but he wasn't the dad that I knew. And he had to sell his business, like everything had to, to go just to fund the medical bills. So not only did, um, you know, my, I guess, backup plan of having someone to financially support my dreams go away, my father's mentorship and love and support went away. And now I had, me and my siblings have, you know, we have the responsibility to take care of him. So it was just this dynamic that shifted when I was in my early twenties. And obviously a lot of people never had their father. A lot of people lost their father earlier ages, things like that. So I'm not saying like I have it so bad or worse than other people. This was just my own personal traumatic experience that I've, you know, had to, to learn how to overcome over the last 15 years. And uh, so it was more of a necessity. Like I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have my dad to kind of back me financially or to work at his place. I didn't have a college degree yet because I left early to go play professional football. This was in 2008 when the economy kind of uh, tanked, 2007, 2008 when the economy tanked. And people weren't hiring people with, you know, master's degrees, let alone college dropouts, um, who had no skills. I didn't really have any skills in general. And so this was out of a necessity. I would say maybe the desire to be successful was there at some point, but it was more of how do I survive? You know, I was living on my sister's couch for a year and a half and she said, you gotta go, you've been here for too long, for free. I was eating her food for free, I was living for free. And she said, it's either you gotta pay rent or you gotta go. So at that point, I begged my brother to let me stay at his house for free. His wife said, you gotta pay 250 a month. That gave me the jumpstart to say, okay, what do I need to do to generate 300 bucks a month so I can pay rent and have enough for ramen noodles for the month? And it just continued from there. It was out of necessity that I became resourceful, that I became creative, that I became hungry to grow. If I didn't have that necessity, I don't know if I'd be where I'm at. If my dad didn't go through his accidents and he was always kind of like, giving me like a few hundred bucks here and there and letting me stay at his home and for free and never really needing to push me. It was that necessity that drove me to create my own freedom because otherwise I don't think I'd be here. So as unfortunate as it is that my dad went through this, I wish he didn't have to go through this uh, because he's had a very challenging last 15 years. I want to be the man, the man I am. I wouldn't, um, Have this platform i wouldn't be as driven and hungry to make the biggest impact as possible as i have right now Mm.
1: you know i think i while you were telling that story i was thinking like wow i think that's maybe why there's more people who are in their 30s living with their parents today is Mm -hmm. that maybe they they're not being pushed right they have this little there's not they're not overcoming any adversity they're just like you it was like hey I need you to pay 250 bucks. And you're like, Oh damn, I need to right. make 300 bucks. Here, yeah. Here's some adversity right now. Right. And you found a way. And you, and, and that's what helps you grow. That's what I, that's, uh, that's such a key thing for folks is that those challenges and that adversity, those are where the blessings are. Yeah, that's yeah. really where you like, if you embrace that, like, you go, ah, like you're going to find your biggest breakthroughs through your biggest challenges. That's it. So true. That's great. Hey, what is your, what is your Myers-Briggs personality type? You know,
2: Gosh, I always – I had this written down somewhere, and I've taken it, like, a few times, and I always – my good friend always tells me what it is because I always text him and say, hey, I always forget it. But um, I think it's the same as Oprah. Um, it's like a – I can't remember.
1: Are you introverted or extroverted? You seem pretty extroverted. I'm an extroverted. So, Ian, like an EN something? An ENFJ is something that sounds really – Nice. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's one of those things that I've always think that's, it's kind of a profound thing to take one of those tests. I remember the first time I did that. And then I did research and that was what allowed me to step into my greatness. When I had saw other people who had had that same personality type, I was like, Oh, I got the same personality type as Leonardo da Vinci yeah, like, right, wow, right. That. and Socrates. Like, dude, those are some super heavy people. Like, wow. Like I, I have those same similar traits. And so that's one thing I always say to folks is that, you know what? Know yourself. And if you know your tendencies, you can know where you can fix things, you know? Right, exactly.
0: I'm curious, of all the people that you have uh, interviewed on School of Greatness, who really messed up, you know, your expectations? You thought it was going to be one thing, and it Ah. ended up being something totally different.
2: Huh? that's interesting. Well,
0: I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, so... Eh, just throw them under the car. Yeah, exactly. It's just a few a few tires on them rather than a, a 14-wheeler. I think there's
2: actually – I'll speak about the people that um, maybe I
0: wasn't sure what to expect that
2: really sure. blew my expectations away. Mm-hmm. I had um, this this woman she was a therapist out of the U.K. named Merce up here, and I just – you know, someone had pitched me to her, and I was – it was like a hard no because I was just like I couldn't really find anything about her online. I, I was like, yeah this – millions of therapists out there, what makes her unique and special things like that. Maybe I was a little judgmental or something originally, cause I just didn't have a lot of information on her. And uh, then it just kept coming up. Someone was just like, man, I, I watched this video on her. I really think we should interview her. I don't know if it was timing or I was just like, all right, let's do it. I watched part of this video and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And I had her on and I think it's, you know, out of 840 or 50 episodes, it's one of the top 10 most downloaded episodes. And it just took off. And she blew me away, and I had her speak at my annual event, Summit of Greatness, a few weeks ago. And she's just an amazing speaker. She's got 20, 30 years of experience with top celebrities on overcoming trauma and emotional turmoil. And she was just really powerful. So Marissa Peer is someone that was someone who exceeded my expectations.
1: Have you ever ever had uh, Byron Katie on?
2: I have. She was powerful, too. We did, you know, the work uh, on yeah. the show where she led me through a session and I talked about, you know, childhood stuff with my mom. and really dove in. And, yeah, for me on my show, I just try to – I try to – whatever the, the person's an expert in, I'm like, let's do it on me. Let's try it. I'll be the guinea pig. Oh, favorite. that's great. But, you know, I'll freaking share whatever. I want to make sure that I – I live this stuff and then I practice it or at least I try it once, even if it seems weird and crazy. Mm -hmm. I've had some people do some weird, crazy stuff with me and I'm just like, I'll try it, you know, who knows? And I really try to go there. And um, as long as it's going to impact one person's life who's listening, that's the thing that opens them up. That's the thing that unlocks them or helps them heal with something. Then I'm all about doing it.
1: Yeah, that's great. By, Byron Katie has got that that four questions, because a lot of times we make these assumptions and then we get mad about the assumption. And then but it's like, we don't even know if it's true or not. Like, do we, we don't know absolutely that it's true. And how are we able to react when we don't know that that's really the thing? And, you know, it's like that just allowed me going through that process. Like Wow, that was
0: just you remember crazy. the four
1: questions. Yeah, I got them right here. It says the first question is, is it true? The second question is, can you absolutely know that it's true? <laughs> right. And then and the third one is, how do you react or what happens when you believe that thought? Yeah. And then who would you be without that thought?
2: So powerful, right?
1: Yeah. And then turning it around, like, who would you be without it? Like, oh, well, then I'm not angry and pissed off at the world. So yeah. then really, it's your <laughs> own mind that's making you pissed yeah. off, not the situation. And that's where you're the victim again instead of the victor.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: My mind is pissing me off. Ah,
0: man. Yeah. Ah, well, Lewis, we really appreciate your time with us today. And I, I'm giving people one more chance if they want to call in or ask a question. But uh, before they do, I'm wondering what's next? You know, you, it, you've, you've already accomplished so much and you want to push yourself to more. So what's is there a big dream? You know, Gary wants to own the New York Jets. Right, Gary? V. Yeah. So is there a big dream for you? You know,
2: there's always big dreams, but I think over the last year and a half, two years, I've been, every time someone asks me that, I really tried to bring it back to what's now because I can have big dreams and I can think 10, 20, 30 years out and I can be pursuing those things like I am. But I think so many of us, at least in America and I think around the world as well, are so past focused and future focused that we're not enough in the now what's the thing that I'm doing now that's really exciting what's the thing that I can dive deeper in? how can I be more present and I think um I'm my goal is to continue to be deeper and more present now in the things I'm excited about and that's my show school of greatness that's the book I'm working on right now which is all about eliminating self-doubt because I think self-doubt is the killer of all dreams um so I'm working on those things right now. And I doubt that. No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think uh, you know, I have I have long term, you know, you know, I, you know, I want to be an Olympian. It's something I've been excited about in the future. But it's like it's a maybe in a decade. I'll when it's here in the USA, it's like I'll come to that to see if it's still a dream of mine. Then, but right now, it's how do I be the best person um, to myself every day? Because I think we. I think, we, I think a lot of people say a lot of negative things to ourselves, um, whether it be out loud or, or just privately and in our own minds. And the more I can focus on being a good person to myself, the more I can be a good piece, person to a lot of people and make better decisions as opposed to you know, poor decisions. So that's the goal. How do I continue to be the best version of myself? Because if I do that every day, if I constantly do the things that – you know that best version of me, ten years or twenty years from now, is like walking towards me in my mind when I meditate. If I can become closer to that best person today, right now in this moment, then that's going to make a huge impact on the people around me, or the people that follow me, or as big as my platform gets, it'll it'll be a ripple effect. And and that's the goal is to be present and be focused on the now. Wow, I love that.
0: That's Boom, awesome. mic drop. I think <laughs> I think that's a great place to uh, to say paragraph and in uh, end of story because uh oh. that's just it's so transparent it's so real and i think that's why you've had so much success uh lewis is because you just you're just the real deal and we thanks, need brother. more of that in this world right thanks brother i appreciate you i appreciate you yeah. both uh, you guys can uh, check out Lewis's stuff, lewishowes.com. Really easy to go there. Check it out. Of course, his uh, his books, The School of Greatness and The Mask of Masculinity, and another book on the way found on Amazon, yeah. Barnes and & Noble, and all the places that books are found. And, the and his other
1: podcast, yeah, The School of Greatness podcast, but The School of Greatness Hall of Fame podcast, which is like what the those are the t- the, the cream of the crop. Is that right? Yeah, School of Greatness, yep exactly oh yeah the, the hall of fame yeah and then i think there's a new entrance that needed to, to get in on that is the tony gonzalez one i noticed oh, yeah. that's the most popular one on your your current one right now yeah, that's the know. one that iTunes says is the best and i want to just ask one final question so greatness what do you think about patrick mahomes
2: <sighs> kid's a machine he's inspiring really inspiring
1: isn't it crazy watching that kid play?
2: Love watching. I mean, a lot of these young quarterbacks. I mean, these first three-year quarterbacks are just like taking over. It's amazing to watch. But uh, there's something to be said for someone like Tom Brady that can go whatever it is, twenty plus years or something, and still do it at his age. You know, double the age of some of these other guys, which is pretty amazing.
1: He's got some regiment or something he doesn't do what normal quarterbacks do apparently He's, I, I don't even know what that is because I've never seen that yeah. whenever you interview him I would everybody would love to know how does he stay so young like what is I'll, that regiment I'll figure it out yes yeah.
0: Cool stuff. Well, Lewis, we do appreciate you, brother. We know you uh, made a whole hour here for us today, and we really appreciate that. So we'll let you get on with your evening, and uh, great talking to you as always. Yeah, thanks. And if anyone has any other
2: follow-up questions, just feel free to message me on uh, Instagram
0: at Louis Howes or say hi anywhere online. Sweet. Thanks, Lewis. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Lewis Howes. There he is. Mr. Travis Wright, that's a wrap. What a what a, good great time with him he's so inspirational
1: for sure we need to we need to have mr Joe comby on on his show
0: well that good. that that would be up to him i would uh, I would certainly be honored and we're yeah. honored that all y'all that's that's y'all plus all y'all uh, took mm-hmm. the time to listen tonight. This episode five of On Air with Castbox. Of course, you can go to iTunes and where you wherever you listen to podcasts, and you could find the previous episodes with John Lee Dumas, Mo Rocca uh, Pat Flynn, Justin Long. They're all there for you. That's and true.
1: Uh, and if you like, to, if you'd like us to do more of them, maybe let the Castbox team know how much you enjoy these types of interviews because we've had a lot of fun doing it. Absolutely, and Mr. Travis Wright. I wish you a good evening. Thank you, and thank you to everybody out there in CastBox land. It's been a pleasure, and we're grateful for the opportunity. We'll talk to you later. And you do good stuff.